Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. listening to BFN. This is the podcast about IVF, infertility and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby and we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hey, hey, happy Easter mate. Hey, yeah, it's Easter Sunday when we're it is Easter Sunday. You had any chocolate yet? I have. Uh, yeah, we. Um, I took matters into my own hands this year because I knew that Mr. Gabby probably wouldn't get me an Easter egg. So I got him one Ooh, that I nice wanted to eat. Nice passive-aggressive move. That's yeah. great. I yeah, like but it. Was, it. Yeah. It's Terry's chocolate orange, which is clearly oh a favourite of mine, not a favourite oh. of his. Nice. Very, very nice. Well done. Yeah, yeah. So I've eaten, yeah, we've eaten quite a lot of that already. <laughs> I had a boiled egg. A boiled egg? Interesting. Mm. Oh, I also had scrambled eggs. Sorry. Just to... Well done. Along the egg theme. Well done. But have you not got an Easter egg? Well, there's this dairy-free issue that I've got going on. That is an issue. And basically, I'm sorry if other people think this, but all dairy-free chocolate is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. (gasps) I just haven't found a nice one. I haven't found a single nice one, except ones that are like aggressively dark, which I quite like, yeah. but I don't think they make Easter eggs out of it unless it's like £40. I see. How about, so, what are they called? Bougie, 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 bougie bow ones. Yeah, they, I, I don't know if they do Easter eggs. They do truffles. I bet you do. I don't know if they do actual chocolate. They probably do. I mean, I've got to say, I haven't done the research. I hope, hoped John would, but no. We'll see, um, but then I haven't got him an Easter egg either. You can't so. leave it up to the guys to to do these yeah. things. I don't know. The thing is that I've been sending John out to to do the. I mean, I've been sending out. He's been going out and doing the food shopping. Partly because he's the chef in our household, so he yes. like knows what he wants to buy. Yeah. And secondly, I think it makes him feel like a big hunter gatherer. Oh, nice massaging so, ego. Yeah, because um, like going to Sainsbury's at the moment takes probably two and a half to three hours. Where we time. are anyway. Takes time. Yeah, because you have to go queue, mm-hmm. put the gloves on, put the mask on, then you then you have to go, and it takes him a good hour and a half to do shopping. Is he anyway. putting gloves and masks on to shop? He does not really. He he put gloves on on my mother's recommendation. Okay, but right. then there's a lot of people that say gloves don't work, so I I think stick to government recommendations really. Yeah, yeah. But my mum also washes her groceries, so yeah. I mean. 
some people are taking it quite far. My dad has like a quarantine area at the front of the house where all things that come into the house have to stay for a period of 48 hours before they're touched <laughs> by anyone. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm glad mums and dads are taking it seriously because I didn't yes. feel like they were taking it seriously at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my dad's been very serious from the start. Um, I'm absolutely delighted by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he thinks we should do the same, but we're not. Um, but we are currently I'm sure it's a conversation that lots of people are having at the moment which is when do we start wearing masks should we wear masks because I know you know people are wearing them even though the government's saying you don't need to yeah so yeah I mean Margate is entirely masked like I is it I don't see many people without them oh really where are they getting these masks from that's my question a lot of people with scarves wrapped around their faces which just makes the whole place look really really cold all the time yes I have to admit, I've purchased one off Etsy, which has a gingham uh, pattern on it. Mate. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm going to look like a right twat. I haven't worn it yet, though. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. How yeah. Yeah, I think mask wearing is probably not necessary, but um, you know, it introduces a whole new option to our wardrobe. So there is that. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what else has been going on, mate? Um. Well, I would say this in this the fourth week of um quarantine. So we go we're about to go into our fourth week, aren't we? Mm. Um I I'd say my mood has turned somewhat. Oh, uh for the for the better or for the worse? No, I was quite jolly most of the way through and now I'm just getting a bit frustrated. Uh, like the weather's been so utterly glorious all I want to do is go outside sit in a park somewhere Mm. but I can't because like some police will come and get me yeah and also it's socially irresponsible mainly yeah um so I so I've turned to hashtag self-care oh okay yeah this is interesting yeah so um one thing I've done is these (laughs) exfoliating foot socks oh I love those guys which are amazing so you put them on for an hour yeah, and then like a week later, all the skin on your feet peels off, which is absolutely disgusting. Like yeah. absolutely disgusting, but so satisfying. And then underneath, you have beautiful new skin. I I don't know, mate, because on your recommendation, I got one of those last year. Yeah, and my experience of it was less than ideal. Really? What? Like, did I know about this? I don't know if I ever told you, but obviously they went through that disgusting, pe- uh, like peely bit where utterly disgusting. Yeah, like the, that is expected, right? They tell you yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, but like the skin on my feet never completely peeled off, so I had okay. like patches of like gross old skin and then baby new skin, and that... it was it just never righted itself. Um, that so... is an unsatisfying experience i'm sorry was, that happened it was i'm gonna I'm not gonna lie emma it was traumatic <laughs> um and I, I only have you to blame so i'm so sorry i just wanted okay. to share that with our listeners in case they all run out and buy them okay well that's not a product i recommend then <laughs> well it can go one of two ways it could be fantastic like your experience or yeah. less less than fantastic like my disgusting scaly feet it's a lockdown gamble it is indeed <laughs> Um, the other thing that happened this week so you know how Instagram adverts just get you yeah yeah. like you'll be just scrolling through Instagram and then suddenly there's an advert and it's exactly what 
you think might radically change your life and turn mm-hmm. you into a better person. Mm-hmm. So I got got by one of those. Oh, yeah. Which was a, a subscription-only perfume. Right, okay. That comes out three times a year. Ooh. It's like an artisanal Ooh. perfume. Oh, a is scent. It, is it, a fragrance. It organic. It, almost definitely. Oh, lovely. Um, so it, it comes out three times a year on the solstice and the equinox. No, bugger off, does it? Yeah. <laughs> no, four times, sorry, four times. And um, I'm not going to say the name of the product because I feel like I... It's it's quite expensive, and I like we're not we're not an advertising service here. We're not ITV. No, we're not. No, um, there's, there's no product except, place except for our, our um, apart from the actual ads. Except apart from the actual ads. <laughs> um, but it basically, I just got got by that. And at the time, I had a little bit. I I didn't realize the entire economy was about to shut down. So I was just like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sign up for it. I've and they were like spare cash. Yeah, but they, they it only gets sent to people who are on their ledger. And they were like, we, the, there's a waiting list for our ledger at the moment. And then three oh. days later, I got a text that was like, ledger's open. And I was oh, like, wow. okay. Okay. Mm, okay. That wasn't too hard. Um, yeah, it wasn't too hard. So anyway, it arrived um, yesterday. And it's like the nicest experience to get something that's so completely frivolous. Mm. On yeah. at, at a time like this. It's just so like just a beautiful thing and it smells gorgeous and it's got like um a little leaflet with it telling you like how it was created and who created it and what the bass notes are and the the things like that and it's just it's an absolute delight you've sold it to me i haven't worn perfume for fucking years oh I knew I was being frivolous when I bought it and I knew I'd feel silly and then I had to kind of admit it to John because I knew he'd think I was being silly yeah and i just I just bought it. Do you think it's fertility friendly? Because obviously oh, we've yeah. been told that we shouldn't wear perfume by certain certain books, aka certain, it starts with the book. egg. <laughs> um, I mean, it is a small batch organic perfume maker, so it probably so I'm have guessing all of the bad stuff in it, maybe. Yeah, but we don't know that. But they, also, they say they never sit still and never stop creating. Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah. That's incredible. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, also, my favourite bit is this. Can I just read you this bit? And yes, please do. We'll move on to actual, you know, stuff that's appropriate. Um, it says here, a perfumer's work is never complete. Though the run must be produced and the formulation agreed, it is not a conclusion. It is merely a punctuation, a beat, a pause. Ideas wow. are left unexplored. Oh I'll leave you with that. God. Yeah. That's incredible. So what have you been up to, mate? Anything, <laughs> anything that deep? Or meaningful? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> today I got dressed in in a, in a dress and I've okay. dried my hair and put makeup okay. on. Mate. Because I was You're just kind of... smashing it. I was kind of getting sick of just looking like shit. And I, th- <laughs> I it, like, it's gone to the point now where I was like, I wonder if, if I can even look better. Like, I've forgotten <laughs> what it's like to look better. So I thought I'd better try and see if it's possible. And yeah, yeah I, I, I do look markedly better. I am definitely carrying a bit of extra weight around the face, which oh, is it's an obsession the face, of mine. the arse. I mean, Everywhere. I don't really... It doesn't really bother me when I carry extra weight in other places. I've definitely got loads of extra wibble wobbles on my tummy and mm. probably thighs, but mm. it bothers me on my face. 
I don't, mm. if I had just had a skinny face, I don't care about the rest of me. I've actually got a friend who, whenever she put, does put weight on, she, it's never on her face, ever. And I'm just yeah. like, how? How do you do that? I think it just goes to my face first. <laughs> like, You've got an absolutely lovely face, though. I mean, you have to, to say fair. that. But, um, but anyway, yes, now it's a face with makeup on and, and, okay. uh, and it's framed by hair that's been blow dried. It does look slightly yeah. better. So, you know. Um, you could always try contouring. Uh, mate. <laughs> I mean, you've got a bit of time to yourself now, so you could just like have a go, see what happens. Yeah, no, that's that's so far from what's going to happen. Like, <laughs> that's just not not on the radar. I actually burnt my face the other day because because I'm not putting any, I'm not putting makeup on. I'm barely putting moisturizer on. My self care is is other like the opposite of you. It's just nosedived, <laughs> and so I forgot that I don't have any sun protection on my face, and I've just gone out. Yeah. And oh. I came in and I was like, oh my God, my face is red. So I've <laughs> immediately purchased some Clarins face sunscreen. Cause oh God, yeah. I need some of that. I need yeah. some sunscreen. Badly. Yeah. Uh, also not an ad, sorry. Product placement. Also, also not. not an ad. Yeah, Oof. we're doing some product placement. Product placement? Yeah. Product placement here. Yeah, today I'm um, sponsored by Terry's Chocolate Orange and Clarins. <laughs> and I'm I wish that was by... the case. <laughs> yeah, I would my two ideal brands to sponsor me yeah. um i'm sponsored by this perfume brand and the foot thing yeah. that's Which it I and if anybody dished. wants to know the the names of the two brands they can they can message me we'll we'll give the um contact details at the end of the segment happy to share just you're so bbc friendly not mentioning brands i'm like right out there i might even be all know. over this I, I live and wait for that job offer <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well done, mate. Well, should yeah. we um, should we chat episode? Let's chat episode. Um, so this week, so we we've done a work episode before, but that was just us twatting on about our experiences. We've yeah. got some actual people who actually know stuff this week about some fertility experts. at work. Yes, yes, experts. One of those experts is Becky Kearns, who we've had on before. Um, she is at Defining Mum on Instagram. Um, she's an absolute legend she talked about egg donation and um, early menopause when she came on before now she's telling us she's sharing her years of experience in HR Mm -hmm. Um, and we've also so she has started a business with Natalie Silverman and Claire Ingle Mm -hmm. called Fertility Matters at Work Um, and Claire came on as well so they're they're both talking about work um, going through fertility treatment while you're trying to work Mm. it's there's like there's so many conundrums that come up when when you're doing that it's yeah like you know you're just constantly like oh god do i tell them oh god when do i tell them oh can i tell them i might it's hard yeah it is hard so so yeah we had a good uh little wiffle waffle about that we had a good chin whack i just want to do a note on the sound i know i've done that the last few weeks but this week is no different there were four of us having conversation we were all in separate locations we were all using different technology to try and record us ourselves mm. to try and record ourselves there there's a hiss i'm not gonna lie there's a hiss, there a hiss? um mm. yeah so there's you know the, the but you don't notice it after a few minutes, so just stick with it. I'm sure nobody else will notice it apart from you. You're the you're a perfectionist, mate. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, it's definitely worth sticking with. Um, and we got is Nick from Easter eggs to egg donation. They are. Um, oh, mate, they've, that's great. 
<laughs> they've been to the egg bank this week, haven't they? They've been to, well, they, yes, they've been browsing. They've yeah. been uh, browsing. The um, so they're going, they're going window shopping. Yeah, 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 which is quite, it's quite interesting. Yeah, very appropriate. Indeed. And um, Professor Tim also Professor eggs. Professor Tim. Well, yeah, so, yeah. What? How, I didn't even realise that we were doing this, this very Easter appropriate episode. <laughs> um, so he's talking about AMH versus low egg quality. Yeah, yeah. So is your AMH, if you have low AMH, does that mean you're going to have crappy eggs? It's a question that comes up quite a lot, isn't it? It is, and people ask us a lot, and we have never been and able we, to answer because no, we just no. don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> still don't Even know. Listening to Professor Tim. <laughs> um, yeah, so he'll be uh, finally answering that question for all of us. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, that's it. So, um, if you've got anything to say, yeah, please get in touch. Yeah. Um, you can email us. Bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Instagram at Big Fat Negative. You can follow us on Facebook, Big Fat Negative. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Fat Negative. Um, and we'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast. We really would. Because really it helps other people to find it. Enjoy the show, guys. Hi. Hello. How you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. How's your week been? It's been good. Got back into the gym. Yeah, we did get back into the gym, didn't we? Yes, however, I'm still looking at it from a financial point of view and how much <laughs> how much each trip is costing. <laughs> so far, it's £10 a trip. Oh, well done. The more I go, the cheaper it gets. Excellent. So, well done. I might change my thought process to getting fit, but at the moment, it's financially driven. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Have you got a goal? Yeah, so I'm trying training for the triathlon, aren't I? Yeah. Um, so we've been trying to do like non-fertility related things to get us out of this. I think we might have mentioned this last week. Maybe, but we won't go to the gym then. No, we won't. <laughs> no, that, that's a new thing. That's this week's thing. Yes. Not the, yeah. What else have we been up to this week? Oh, we have been looking at the London Egg Bank. Yes. Do you want to Catalog. Explain? Yeah, do you want to explain a bit more about what that is? Well, I think as far as I can guess, you, you just hand over the iPad with a screen and it's already on there for me to look at. <laughs> so it's my understanding that essentially it's a little bit like a shop and it's got a list of potential donors, Yeah. a little bit of information, Yeah. and then you can click almost add to cart <laughs> add their eggs to the cart yeah which is a bit strange yeah how did you feel about kind of doing the scrolling well i don't know because when i was looking i didn't really know what my criteria was okay what i because do i am i really interested in how they look i know the idea is them to look like me you <laughs> But it always feels weird to like disregard other people because you're gonna because the message you'll be giving to your kids is uh, is looks aren't important, and that's what you've always it's more important about their personality and stuff. So it's quite hard to like go nope 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 not you yeah. So it's a bit strange. So I was I I found I was looking for there was one that said something like happy upbeat. First of all, is that the, that's kind of good because if. 
you're looking for probably like as well as physical health, you want their mental health to be very good. Yeah. And then they give bits about their interests and so. And I don't know really realistically. That's not genetic. Do I care? <laughs> but it isn't because I've got I've got like two brothers and we come all come from the same parents, but we've all got we're all completely different from each other. So I'm not sure how relevant that would be to base your <laughs> picking on a donor. Yeah, like, is, is there more information there than you expected then? Probably a little bit less. What do okay. you think? I don't know how much you expect. I was yeah, I don't know if I really had that much of a an expectation before we went into it. Mm. I mean, I think probably there's more information than I expected. Yeah. Because I, I was very much led to believe that it was like, it's, you know... You just know the basics yeah. about them, as in how tall they are, how much they weigh, um, like how old they are, uh, what you know, how, what hair color and eye color. Actually, not even how old they are. I don't know why I said that. Like hair color and eye yeah. color, like non, what do they call it? Non-identifying characteristics. Yeah, and there's oh, there's a little bit of information of why they're doing it. Yeah, so I didn't even think I expected that. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like bare bare bones. Mm. And I don't know if it makes it better or worse that they're actual real... Yeah. I know this is really stupid, but they're actual real women. Some of the descriptions, uh, it's not really them describing them. It's as if someone else is describing them. Like, oh, she seemed really nice when she came in. Yeah. Like, I don't know... So, a bit of background. Nick and I met online. Yeah. And it, it felt a bit like that. Do you know what I mean? You know yeah. when you're scrolling through people's profiles... To like click on whether you like them or not. No one said they like cheesy mash. <laughs> That's true, actually. That was on your profile. It was on my profile. If somebody said they like cheesy mash, I think I'd be like, "That's my woman." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was really strange. Like I've been reading a bit of stuff about, you know, donor conception and how did you how did you find your donor, and you know, people are like, oh, "It really just felt right for us." And I don't know, I haven't spent a lot of time on that website, but I think I'm still not entirely sure if it's the route for us. Yeah, it's still a bit, well, it's a bit of an alien concept at the moment because you shouldn't have this much say. It's just you get pregnant and you get what you're given, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, it feels really strange. Like, I don't know, like you say, it's still a bit of an alien concept, I think, isn't it? So it's a bit like... This is. I don't want to use the term normal, because that's. I don't know the this sort of the, connotations around normality, yeah. etc. But this is not our normal life. No. It's not what you expected. It's not how you expected to create no. your family. It just feels very, like you say, alien, and I, I'm just not sure how we feel about that. No, I didn't expect there to be a button so it says you add to cart. Yeah, is it add to order? <laughs> yeah. Six embryos. Yeah. <laughs> Six eggs. It's, it's like, it's just weird. Yeah. But I think there'll be some elements to that in adoption as well. There'll be some element, probably even more element of sort of what you want and what you don't want. Yeah. Isn't there? I guess it's it's basically going back to what the councillor said last week in that you kind of almost have to really step back from how you initially thought you were going to create yeah. your family. Like that view of your perfect family... And I suppose, like, five years down the line, 
it's probably not going to make any difference because you're hopefully going to have a child out of it, whatever way you decide to go with it. Mm. But at that time that you're making that decision, it just feels enormous. Yeah. And I think all of those, it's not just the making the decision of click add to cart. Yes. It's then all of the consequences from that one click of a button. Mm. And it, yeah, I think she's absolutely right in what she said, the counsellor, that when you actually start seeing it in front of you, yeah, it really does become real and, and an actual genuine possibility. Yeah. And yeah, I think she was right in what she said about you have to go in with almost like a light-hearted approach to it. Yeah, I feel like this is quite light-hearted. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should send this to her and yeah. be like, is this lighthearted yeah. enough? Are we getting the right notes here? Yeah, because I think you could... I think almost... I'm, I think the longer you look at it, the harder it's going to get because you're going to second guess. It yeah. is, like you say, such a big decision. But then yeah. in some ways, it shouldn't be a big decision. You go, oh, healthy eggs. Yep, yeah, that'll... That'll do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know, because so this week for me has been... A bit of a hormonal week. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I got my period right. on Wednesday. Really? I did. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a bit of a kicker. It was a bit of a kicker this month. Um, and then literally the following day, I had a, a text or a, you know a message come to a WhatsApp group that I'm part of with a photograph of a friend's uh, newborn baby. And it was just, you know, obviously really lovely for them. It's great news. But it it was just that, again, reminder of this is probably not how, or this is potentially not how my family's going to be. I'm going to have a very different experience to you. I think that's the positive thing about donor. Once you go through the initial procedure and hopefully get a positive pregnancy test, then it should be quote unquote normal. Yeah, I and think. So I think you, 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 of course, you've got to bear in mind later on when mm. you're explaining to your child where they've come from. Mm. But I think. I think hopefully that will become normal anyway because mm. we won't know any different yeah and I think for us it'll be normal I think you know that'll be our life won't it and you just feel a bit like yeah like you say as much as you know you want to get that positive pregnancy test there is going to be that key difference of you then have to explain to your child and any potential siblings this is how they came to be which is you know, hopefully going to be become you know the the norm, the standard within your family. But then it's the ripple effect of that of like, you know, how do who do you tell outside? If, I mean, I'm probably overthinking it massively. I but. think you are. I think you were talking about this earlier, weren't we? Like you, because you were you were thinking of all the scenarios, different scenarios. If you had Dana child, Dana child, and then adopted, how would you explain the? And also, difference. like, would they let us? I mean, that was the thing that really hit me out of the the counselling session, like, last week, that it may be that actually the adopters would would be a bit dubious about us if we had a donor-conceived child. 
I don't know. I think it's just another consideration. It's another... I don't think it's a make or break. Yeah. I think it all depends on the family itself. And it's just, it's just another thing, isn't it? It's just another thing to think about that we have to think about that, like, people who are fortunate and get pregnant naturally don't necessarily have to consider. Yeah. It's all of those, like, follow-ons. What I'm hoping for is once, once you have your child, you would just go with it. It yeah. won't, you won't so much, you just have to react to stuff. Now you can overthink everything. Massively. But you'll just be reacting to stuff then. Yeah, it's also all the unknown, isn't it? Like, so we were watching earlier uh, a video which is on the website of the DCN, which is the Donor Conception Network. And that's like a support network for people who are either thinking about donor um, conception from either a sperm or an egg perspective, um, or who have a child who's been conceived by a donor, or who uh, is a child conceived via a donor. Um, and so they're there as like a support network, a little bit like the fertility network is there for, for obviously women and, and men who are going through infertility. Um, so they had a, a, a video on their website that we were watching earlier on, which was in, you know, inverted commas, celebrating 20 years of the donor conception network. And it looks as though they have some sort of conference, I think, was it on like a, on, on an annual basis? Anyway, they were interviewing people about, you know, how they felt about the donor conception network and what it meant to them. And, and it was it was really interesting. And, you know, like the, the thing that just popped into my head when I was watching it is, oh, my God, they all look so normal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is just ridiculous, isn't it? Because I don't know what I expect them to all look like. I thought it was quite interesting to, that they were talking to donor conceived children. Yeah. Who had obviously grown up now work like teenagers some yeah, of them yeah. and that was interesting like yeah like you say they're just normal well-adjusted kids because they must come from well-adjusted families well that's the thing isn't it you're not that you're making your job as a potential parent harder but you're having to be very conscious about how you approach this within your family yeah and i suppose you have to be quite well-adjusted as a couple yeah to then think about this as an option. I think that's one of the positive sides of infertility. You can always say, you can always tell your kids how much they were wanted because this is how much, how what we had to go through. Yeah, to get you. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever way it is. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's been a really donor-heavy week this week. Yeah. Um, I've only recently looked at that um egg bank yeah no but I mean in terms of we've we've focused a bit more on donor than we have on, on yeah. adoption this on adoption this week yeah we've got the adoption stuff coming up yeah so we're going to an adoption information evening uh, next week um, which I'm quite interested to go to actually yeah uh, we know very little about the process or anything beyond just the initial ideas I think I've read I think we've both read like testimonials that's about as far as I've I've looked into at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm really quite interested to how I react emotionally to it, yeah. I think. Um, I'm hoping that's going to be quite telling for me anyway. Yeah, me. I, I, I only have a rough idea. It's something I would like to do, but I've had no practical information about it. No, I think it's quite different, isn't it, reading about something yeah. and then... The real... 
you know implications I, I think it is whichever way we go and I think even more so with adoption when you when you make that initial application that's going to be a a big deal because the ball's rolling yeah yeah definitely it's it's been quite good this week actually to be um to try and kind of be confronted by realities hasn't yeah. it I think um like I definitely got a lot out of of our homework in looking you know mm-hmm. looking at the egg bank scrolling through it seeing what that was all about so I'm hoping to get equal benefit from from next week you too yeah how are you feeling positive about the future at the moment yeah I am actually we've had a really nice Christmas yeah good start to the new year yeah um yeah I'm feeling mentally I'm feeling well and I'm feeling good and hopeful because I definitely think for us our I have to do this for Emma journey is not nice. over yet thanks right. <laughs> we are still on it if you if you will we are we are and that's good I think it's definitely it's definitely a good thing I think there was most of 2019 there was well there still is uncertainty but it felt like a very uncertain year it did yeah last year and now we've got more practical steps now going into 2012 I think it's going to be a different 2012 2012 yeah I've gone back in time oh fair enough 20. 20. <laughs> <laughs> Started with the same thing. Going to 2020, yep. it's going to be a different year. Because yes. we sort of put that stuff behind, so we know we've got to go through a different stage now a bit. For sure. I think we've got new plans, new intentions. And uh, yeah, we've, we've got our hope back, I think. Yeah. Certainly for me, I feel that way anyway. Yeah. I hope you don't mind me saying that you found it all quite rough. Towards, yeah. especially towards the end of last year yeah I really struggled I really struggled not that I didn't but I think you you, you were losing hope a bit oh I was I was quite I was quite at my um, I was at my lowest ebb if yeah. you will anyway we've witted on for long enough anywho um, so yeah hopefully you found this interesting and useful and uh, we will catch up with you guys next week 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. lockdown and yet you are making time for us and we're very grateful for that yes thank you both no problem at all i say there's not much else to be doing no <laughs> it's a good point it's a very good point um so let's start very briefly i mean becky we've we've had you on the podcast before um so let's start with a very very brief introduction kind of overview of both your backgrounds and why you're doing this um i'm becky from defining mum um, so some of you may have heard um, me on an earlier episode talking about egg donation. Um, but I've also got another passion um, that I want to try and raise awareness about, and that's fertility at work. And that stems from the fact that I used to work in HR. So I've worked in HR for 12 years. And I also really struggled, and it was probably one of the hardest parts of my fertility journey whilst um, trying to balance it with work. So. I wrote a few blog posts on it over the past year and has since connected with um, both Claire and Natalie who are the co-founders of Fertility Matters at Work and we've decided to make it our mission to try and sort of change the conversation around IVF at work and to try and raise awareness and just try and make it a more supportive environment for people who are going through treatment in the future. And Claire, what's your background? Pretty similar to Becky, so I've done over 20 years in HR in um, public, private and third sector. Um, Pretty much the same as Becky. When I went through treatment, I was working for the public sector and it was only after I had my child or my daughter that um, I thought, I looked back and I thought, bloody hell, there was nothing, nothing helping me. There was nothing there. And I kind of bumbled through it on my own and I just started reaching out to people and talking about it and actually doing the same as Becky. I started um, talking to individuals and saying, you know, what's your experience of this? And pretty much the same. There was nothing coming back. So I thought there's a there's a definite need for this here. And that's kind of the beginnings of where I started with it. And how did it come about then, the three of you coming together and deciding to start it? Was it a conversation, a casual conversation? I saw um, an article written um, in the CIPD, which is the big sort of magazine for HR professionals um, a year ago and I remember sharing it and and it was only kind of later down the line I was actually realized it was Claire who I'd connected through Instagram as IVF at work and uh, we were both just we had a chat I think one day just in the car and we were both talking and saying and Claire's has already done so much work around creating an ideal policy um, and some training that we said well actually we really want to bring this to life but neither of us had enough time ourselves and we'd both already connected with Natalie from the Fertility Podcast um, and she wrote a, a, a brilliant article um, in Grazia last year and, she, and we know she had a really big interest in it as well so we all kind of put our heads together and thought well three heads are better than one um, let's use all of our different strengths and really try and build something that will 
hopefully make a big change in the future. And so talk us through kind of what, what the organisation does. So it's really in, it's in the early stages at the minute, but um, we, our aim really is to reach as many organisations as possible across as many sectors as possible, um, to train them on the reality of what, what it's like to have IVF at work um, and other types of fertility treatment as well. And just kind of to make sure that those organisations are set up to support people better, whether it be flexible working, but mostly the understanding and the, the kind of open policy to allow people to actually tell them in the first place so they can actually receive support because there's less than a quarter um, in a survey that was done recently have actually said their workplace had a policy. So I think that's a huge starting point for people just to know that their employer is willing to listen and they will recognise that, I mean, let's face it, we've all been through fertility treatment. It's not an easy thing to go through. It, it's time consuming. It affects your mental health. And I don't know anybody that's been able to go through it without it having some impact um, in the workplace. And I think, again, we all know there's so many misconceptions out there about fertility at work and, and fertility what it means and oh yeah it's just going for the odd appointment take some annual leave when actually the number of appointments and the number of cycles you might need to go through you could use your whole year's annual leave just on going through for fertility treatment so I think we just realised that there needs to be more understanding out there there needs to be more training and ultimately I mean my dream is for us to make some changes to statutory rights so that people who are working actually have some protected rights whilst they're going through fertility treatment, um, like those who are pregnant. I think I didn't go on holiday for two years. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, I think, I mean, I was quite lucky myself because I do. I was given some flexibility. Um, but I think maybe because I worked in HR, I was probably felt in a better place to ask for it. Um, but... I still felt incredibly guilty. I, there was nothing just in terms of workload, so I just spent evenings and weekends catching up. And eventually, when my first IVF cycle ended in a miscarriage, I felt under such pressure to go straight back into work because I already felt guilty about the amount of time I'd already had off work. And that was almost like a, it's a silent loss, isn't it? People have never really known that you were pregnant in the first place, so again miscarriage is a huge thing that we want to try and raise awareness of in the workplace as well that people should be entitled to some compassionate leave in those circumstances whereas quite often people are just forced to go back in into work and I've heard stories of people who have been at work whilst they're ha actually having a miscarriage and not felt like they've been able to say anything so there's just so many different facets and so many different areas where things just need to change gosh yeah I think um well we've both experienced infertility and IVF at work but I mean other than the kind of miscarriage stuff what other kind of stories are you hearing from people are there real horror stories coming out there's a mixed bag isn't there Be Becky um that there, there is some positive there are some positive stories out there so I don't want everybody listening to this to think that this is all doom and gloom um we are hearing um some positive things that people are going through in terms of their employer being supportive um and then bending over backwards really to kind of help them through what they need to go through um I think some of the key themes that I made a note of um people tend to keep this a secret people don't seem to want to talk about it or feel they can talk about it and we are hearing a lot via our um, Instagram page that um, 
it's down to the actual manager that is managing this situation and it's not so much the organization as a as a greater whole that that knows about it and is helping um, so, you know, we need to get that message out there and that education out there that Becky's described, that people understand what this actually entails. Um, people have had or spoken to us about some comments that have been made to us, which is really, well, they're really horrendous, they're really inappropriate and not acceptable. Uh, and under any of the circumstances, they would be picked up and dealt with by an employer. But because it's this, this taboo subject, it doesn't seem to be um, managed in the same way, to be honest. I had a really great moment when I was, um, I just had a cycle cancelled. I'd been running to and from my clinic for like a couple of days. And one, an older male colleague came up to me at the end of the day after I'd had it cancelled and said, are you pregnant? Oh. And I was like, definitely not. I am definitely not pregnant. Just to rub salt in the wound. It was, oh. it, <laughs> I just went away and cried. Did you it hold it horrible. together in front of him or? Yeah. Yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah. Like, you can't let him see oh. you crack. No, exactly. If I'd let him see me crack, that would have been it. My manager was so nice. She, like, I told her and I burst into tears and then she burst into tears and they were both crying at each other and she was telling me all these positive stories about IVF. She was just wonderful. That, and That's so, so nice to hear because quite often people don't get that response. Um... And it just does seem to be the look of the draw mm. rather than a, a policy in place across an organisation. It's the look of the draw as to whether you get an understanding manager who may have known somebody that's been through it or has been through it themselves. Um, and, and that just, it shouldn't be down to look as to whether or not you get supported at work. Um, when you're going through something that is so traumatic and affects your mental health. And, and like you say, there's, there's so many people out there that say the wrong thing. And without having anybody to talk to, it just makes a difficult situation just even worse. And I think, just thinking you asked um, for any examples, one that springs to mind is somebody shared with us um, an extract from their policy. And they did actually have a policy that mentioned fertility um, treatment, which is a start. But they actually had it in the same sentence as um, cosmetic surgery um, for non-medical reasons. So it, it basically said, if anybody... Um, needs time off for cosmetic surgery for non-medical reasons or IVF, um, they can take annual leave. And the fact that it was actually grouped in with that category spoke volumes in terms of what they thought about it and that it's a choice that people go through. And I think nobody goes chooses to do IVF over having sex and <laughs> do mm. it for free, do they? It's, they don't, and, and that's the, the kind of... Cons- the people think out there, oh yeah, oh yeah, you're just trying for a baby, like, oh, you're just going to have some private treatment, and it's something that you you want to be doing. It's it's mm. a need, and it's something that people just don't understand. And I think I mean it's a whole general society issue, um, but in the workplace, I feel like sometimes it can be even worse. I mean, are you finding that more employers are, are having guidance in place, and what what kind of guidance are you seeing, and what is best practice? Ooh, I'm, I I don't think we are, Emma, to be fair. I I mean, I'm still speaking to a lot of people. I know Becky is and I know Natalie spends loads of time talking to loads of people about this. And there doesn't seem to be any sort of appetite, really, I think is what I need to say um, about doing something about this. This is a massive workforce strategic challenge. This isn't a 
you know, something that's going to go away. This is actually going to increase in demand and people are going to become more and more dependent on starting families for, for various reasons, for economic reasons, for lifestyle reasons, environmental reasons. And I don't think anyone's actually woken up to the fact that this is actually going to hit at some point and, and people are going to start thinking, hold on a minute, how do I attract and then retain the best employees that I can because everyone wants to be a great employer. There's there's massive competition for being an employer of choice. And this is going to be the way it goes. I mean, America already have a lot of pol- um, sort of support around fertility treatment, like egg freezing and everything. We will go that way and we generally will follow America in a lot of things, but th- there just doesn't seem to be that recognition there. It's like the penny hasn't dropped I think that's the best way I can describe it Becky alluded to a policy that she read I read one that said please ensure in the IVF bit please ensure you arrange appointments to cause as little inconvenience to the business as possible and that's verbatim that is what it said and I was like that is just unbelievably wrong is there a world in which um managers can turn around and say well it's not that it's not that common it doesn't come up that often I mean you two were both HR you know working in HR did you come across it personally in your careers very much no No, we both didn't did we (laughs) no we didn't so yeah in my 12 years in HR I never once had anybody come to me whether it be a manager or an employee and ask me about their rights and what they're entitled to with regards to fertility treatment and honestly if I hadn't been through it myself if somebody would have come like came to me and asked I probably would have googled it (laughs) just to see and actually if you google it there's not much out there in terms of what um there is in terms of support so basically there's um the ACAS website just talks about kind of what uh, at what point um an employee is protected and that's after embryo transfer for those two weeks but it gives no advice around how you um manage any absence uh, leading up to it other than the fact that it should be treated as any other medical po- appointment is treated um which can vary across different organizations so that just speaks volumes the fact that nobody's come to talk about it and i think the reason why they haven't is because there's no policy and they're just scared about what reaction they will face and um i think you're pretty much the same claire as well aren't you in terms of yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, tw- I've worked with thousands of, I've been a HR manager for literally thousands because I used to work in retail and not one person in, in 15 years in there, not one person in seven years in my current role. And it's just, and, and it isn't because it's not happening because every time I pick up the phone and have a conversation, just random conversations with people and I'm quite open about it now, they go, oh, that's, oh, that's happened to me as well. I've been through that. And I think, my God, all these people are talking about this to me. (laughs) They need to be, you know, shouting it from the rooftops that this needs to change. And we've had a lot of people coming through Instagram, haven't we, Becky, saying, my, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being, setting this up because it's what we need. So there's a demand for it. It's just, again, refer back to the point I made about employers, just doesn't seem to have gone in. This is kind of why I wanted to do this episode because... I found out that after you've had a, an embryo transfer, you legally speaking, you're pregnant and therefore have the same rights as a pregnant woman. Are there are there any other rights or rules or anything that apply to people going through fertility treatment? Oh, that that's the main one, Emma. To be fair, so that's covered by the Equality Act of two thousand and ten. So when you do go through embryo transfer, um, you are protected. Um, there is actually an an added on um element onto that. If implantation fails, you are protected for a further two weeks. Um, but 
in terms of yeah in terms of any other kind of support there is nothing out there there's no guidance for employers hence why becky's alluded to the fact that we both we both or we all feel natalie and becky and myself feel very passionate about changing the legislation on it it needs to change we have protected characteristics for so many things yet this isn't one of them and it needs to be one of them because it's a very very difficult journey yeah. And what about when it comes to to baby loss, so miscarriage or stillbirth? What's what are the rules around that? Until you are you reach twenty four weeks, you're not entitled to any um, parental leave, maternity leave. Um, so there there are, there are no rights in terms of time off. Um, it's very much kind of led by the employer, and and again, that's something that I I think desperately needs to change. And there, it's just it's so it's so light and no one's ever talked about it and basically you're, you're very vulnerable up until the point you have your embryo transferred um, so just going back to treatment you are in a position where your absence could be taken as uh, towards a trigger um, if you're being managed on your absence and there is no protection there basically um, there is the potential that if if you are discriminated against on those grounds that you could have a claim for um, sex discrimination but it, it's a very difficult one and a difficult route to go down so I don't think there's many examples out there Claire I don't I'm not aware of any. No. no no there isn't there definitely is discrimination out there I'm sure it's just one of those things that people aren't talking about and uh, I think it's one of the biggest fears of people who um, when they they're looking at telling their employers that they're, they're worried about being discriminated against it affecting their career path and it was something I thought about and to be honest going through fertility treatment I had to make some difficult decisions and I, I took a sideways move um, out of a succession pipeline because I just couldn't meet the demands of what they needed from me whilst I was going through it so it did impact my career and I think it, it impacts so many people in terms of their career as well um, which again is another loss that you have to face when you're going through infertility and it, there's so many different um, things that you have to deal with and, and actually again the loss of your career or the control around your career as well is one of them, sadly. So what's the best time to tell your employer that you're going through treatment? I always um, say to people who ask me this um, that they should tell their employer. I, I feel that they, they should because the only way they can get support is by letting them know. Now I understand this can be really scary, it can be a really big thing for people to have to go especially when they're going in blind when there's no policy they have no idea how people are going to react but we actually recently shared some some top tips really for approaching your employer and telling them about it and I'm trying to remember on, off the top of my head some. so yeah. the first one be prepared that they will have no understanding whatsoever about what you're about to go through so go in armed with information about what time off you'll need what it entails be prepared to educate, basically, because it's unlikely that they all understand. Um, and actually, we can't expect them to understand if they haven't been through it themselves, everything that is involved. Um, we will hopefully have some content soon that people can share in terms of just some fact sheets around research um, about the impact on mental health and the kind of provisions that we suggest that employers should offer. So hopefully that's something people can take in with them. 
and also to go in with some solutions yourself so don't expect that they will have all of the answers for how you can work flexibly or you you, you could go in with suggestions yourself so I think those being armed and being prepared for educating and also offering suggestions will kind of put you a few steps ahead um, because I know so many people who have been to their employer and they've just kind of gone oh yeah you can take annual leave but without having those facts to back up what you're asking for it's quite an easy thing for them to say but by saying this is what it's going to involve it it kind of sets the scene a little bit more. There's no legal obligation to disclose this to your employer. I think that's really key to say as well. So in mm. case anyone's listening that thinks they have to tell their employer that there's no legal obligation to do that and disclose that um, to anybody that they're working for. Um, but I do agree with Becky. I mean, I didn't say anything for the first two cycles because I had all those feelings and, you know, the failure feelings, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I just didn't want people to know my business. But on the third one I did and I did, did feel more empowered I think that's the word I'm kind of grappling for because I could then have those conversations with my line manager and say right I have an appointment to do this I can do this this and this and she would say yep yeah, that's fine and it just it opened up a two-way conversation that we could come to some sort of collaborative agreement I think. We get loads of emails from people who are having the, the same quandary that I actually had at one point which is I've been going through treatment for a few years. I don't seem to be getting pregnant. I'd like to get a new job. But if I do that, then all the maternity leave benefits I may have accrued will go out the window. Should I take the new job? Or should I stay in my old job and carry on treatment in the hope that I get pregnant? What would your advice be to that person? Oh, gosh, it's so individual, isn't it? Um, (laughs) I'm... (laughs) I actually was um, when I found out that I needed IVF um, I had just handed my notice in (laughs) my employer and I was just starting with a new one so I kind of was in that situation and had to tell my employer before I'd even started the job which was so daunting but I I think the problem is when you're going through IVF is quite often you just feel like your whole life's on hold and there's so many people that have kind of stuck with a job that they're not happy in just because they they want to have that support and stability should they get pregnant and it's, it's such a difficult one to answer because it all depends on your financial situation and everything but I, I did actually have I've got a video to share on on our Instagram page soon from um, someone who did put their career on hold and they, they I think they went for a job that was kind of easier to do um, but they didn't enjoy it as much because but they stuck with it because they wanted the maternity benefits and after a couple more failed cycles they suddenly decided to take the leap and they they found a job that they are enjoying much more and have found it easier to go through the cycles because they're feeling emotionally more stable um in their job so i think it's that it's that balance of how comfortable you are in your current job what could the other job give you and yeah i can't really say one way or the other claire i don't know whether you I'm no, I'm listening. Here. I'm listening to you thinking about all the emails I've received with people saying very similar things, Emma, to be honest. And all it, all that's in my head are people that have left working completely because this has become so overwhelmingly difficult and challenging and just emotionally 
draining. They just can't cope with work full stop. So I guess Becky's absolutely right. It is an individual choice. I, You know, there isn't a right or wrong answer, I don't think, to this. It's just one of those things. But you just never know what's around the corner, do you? That's, that's the thing about anything you do in life. You, you know, if you had a crystal ball and you could say, right, I know I'll be pregnant in 12 months, I can do this you can't have that it's it's about it, it depends on your personality as well you might be one of those people that go right I feel more comfortable being stable and knowing what I'm doing or I'm going to take that risk so there's so many factors that influence it so there isn't a, there isn't a definitive answer I'm afraid I think you have to be comfortable with your decision whatever the outcome of your treatment is and so you have to kind of make peace with yourself and if this works out then that's I'm happy with having made that decision and, and vice versa because it is hard absolutely yeah guys thank you so much for doing this it's been such a pleasure to speak to you and i'm so glad we finally managed to do this episode um just to finish things off what is your advice to anybody who's listening and kind of trying to decide whether they're going to approach their boss or or you know tell their work about what they're going through oh my 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 advice would be to be um emotionally prepared to have those conversations and people will naturally ask you questions about things you need to have you have your limits set so you need to be able to say I'm, I'm happy answering up to here I'm not persistent and for, to get people to respect what you're going through and indicate whether I mean I know lots of people have been through it who are happy to talk about it I know a lot of people who aren't so I think it's about un- making those um, feelings clear from the very beginning so that you don't feel people are intruding on your personal life and, and actually making things worse I guess is my is my perspective yeah so as Claire said around um be clear about confidentiality and, and how far you want it to go. And, and as I said earlier, just be prepared with um, information. Go in armed with information to give to them. Um, educate and tell them what you need. Um, don't expect them to guess what you need. So if you're going, going to need um, a certain time away around embryo transfer, I'd set out right from the beginning what what, what support you're looking for just so that there's no grey areas and you basically then know in your heart that you, you've you done everything you can to ask now obviously they may not be able to agree to it but hopefully there's some compromise in there and it can take away some of the weight of going through treatment whilst at work and I think for those people who have been through it and haven't said a word or spoken to anybody I, I just don't know how you do it because it is such a huge burden to carry and yeah I just hope that we can make it easier in the future for people to talk about it so that they've not got the weight of having to hide something that is so emotional and so huge as a life event uh, from people who you work with kind of nearly every day Um, and my final tip is just to try and find some support within your work colleagues as well if you've got a little group of people that can cover for you or can kind of just give you that support if you need it and can recognise when you've got a moment where you need to maybe slip away from the desk if somebody's announced a pregnancy or there's another baby shower card going round. Um, That just makes a huge difference as well. I know I had a little network of people who kind of looked out for me as well. So I think that's equally as important um, 
as well as Brilliant. speaking to your manager some great advice there I think definitely guys thank you so much it's been lovely to speak to you yes thank you thanks for having us now it's time for IVF what the F what the F um we are talking low AMH versus low egg quality not gonna lie had to look up what AMH stands for this morning what does it stand for Emma it stands for anti-malarian hormone. Anti-malarian hormone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And did your Google search reveal anything else? Um, no, because I just searched for that. Okay. But, <laughs> um, so AMH is, is what they measure and it gives um, doctors a rough idea of essentially how many eggs you have left. Mm. I don't know what mine was because I feel like... I don't know if this is the same for everyone, but I don't think they made a big deal of it, of telling me. I feel like they, no. they probably don't want to tell you about it because they'll have to explain and they try to try to really dumb it down, don't they, when you're going through yeah. tests. So I they it's never been flagged to me what mine was. If you are somebody who likes to know, and we say this all the time, but we'll say it again, just ask the doctor for your test results. Yeah. Just ask them for a copy and yeah. then you can like Google it when you get home or whatever. Yeah, um, just don't go somebody... into the process expecting them to, to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Things. If you're somebody who doesn't like to know, don't ask them because sometimes it's nicer not to know, to be honest. I've got no idea. I've got no idea. I assume either. I'm fine. My ignorance is bliss. Mm, absolutely. Um, we we hear a lot of people as on this podcast and around saying, I had low AMH, um, and then saying that they found getting pregnant really hard. So we wondered if having a, a essentially very kind of short shorthand way of saying a low egg reserve means that you have bad eggs hmm. um and we asked professor tin we did and here's what he had to say so amh is anti-malarian hormone and it's a measure of ovarian reserve so numbers of eggs in the ovaries we know that for women with regular cycles your amh level in fact, does not predict the chance of natural conception. Because if you have regular cycles, you're going to be releasing one egg per month. And so whether you have a low or high AMH doesn't really make a lot of difference to that. From an IVF perspective, having a low AMH can suggest we're going to struggle to get a good number of eggs and therefore embryos. So having a very low AMH, levels below sort of four or five picomoles per litre, is highly predictive of a, of a lower chance of numbers of eggs, sorry, uh, highly predictive of having fewer eggs collected and therefore potentially a lower chance of IVF working. Having said that, um, the most important predictor of IVF success is actually the age of the woman's eggs. So if, you, if, you're, if there's a woman who's younger, less than 35, less than 37 or so, who has a low AMH, we may be getting low numbers of eggs, but the genetic quality of the eggs is often pretty good. So therefore, younger, with a low AMH, you can still have a good chance of um, IVF success. All right, well, that's it. Hope you enjoyed the show, guys. Next week, you're going running. I am going running. Yeah, well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> going running in my mind um no i'm speaking to uh lucy who is founder of rainbow running club sweet yeah um, i 
really look forward to listening to that. Yes, indeed. Yeah, in the meantime, hope you had a nice Easter. Yeah. Have an, a nice fourth week in lockdown. Yes, have a good one. And maybe, and... maybe when next we speak, uh, we might see signs of being released. Yeah, maybe, but maybe not. So, uh, you know. Unlikely. Either way, we'll all be all right, won't we? Hopefully. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.